hello, hello everybody, and welcome back to the Love on a Roll podcast. I'm your host, and I just wanted to have this episode today to catch up and tell you what's in my mind and what I've been up to and everything like that. Um, Some pretty exciting things in the pipeline. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, Remember this podcast now? My endeavor is to keep individual episodes under 15 minutes or less. And um, interviews, which we actually have one coming up in a few days. Hopefully at the time of this, this recording, it will be Tuesday with, um, and I'll go into the, that, um, but, um, if not, hopefully in the next couple of days, uh, and we're gonna start to have more interviews with some pretty interesting people, and I'll get into that, so, um, basically, um, before we get started, obviously, you know, I have the Love on a Roll store, and the link to, to that will be in the bio. And you can literally buy anything you want. Um, we got t-shirts, hats, hoodies, coffee cups, tote bags, literally anything you want. The link will be in the, in the description, the show notes, and you can put the discount code too for 10% off. Um... So, if you're interested in that calls to you, definitely please do that. Um, okay. The other thing I wanted to tell you guys is... Um, let's see. I, I got a pretty interesting opportunity. Um, and they will be both on the podcast at some point. Um, maybe... We're going to do it individually, depending on their schedules. Maybe we're going to do it together. I think we might do it individually. Um, But if we can do it together, that would be cool, too. Um, And so, this is where the power of networking comes in, I'm telling you. Um, I was doing some research on different... um, accessible housing things because you know that's where I'm, that's one of the places where I'm at in my life right now personally is um, you know still living with my family and I would like to you know have my own place so I was researching um, you know different affordable things different accessible housing that's out there and I came across this company called Willpad and I'm not going to get into what Willpad does or anything like that because we're going to talk um, to um, 
the next episode after this should be the interview with uh, my friend at Willpad, and his name is RJ. And we'll go. We'll go into all that stuff. Um, and have a nice conversation on accessible housing and accessible housing solutions um, for people in wheelchairs and mobility challenges and people that need it. Um, but he introduced me to the to this guy named Mike Donnelly, and Mike Donnelly is an awesome guy. He's in Cape Coral, which is near Ocala. Um, in northern Florida, and um, where I'm at, it's it's South Florida, so it's you know it's a ways away from me, but not that far. Um, but he does accessible housing throughout the state so he does retrofitting he does um, building houses he's looking to expand kind of in my region of Florida as well so he brought me on to to work with him um, so this is pretty exciting um, and I love the job that I'm doing pretty cool I can do um, it's flexible too so I can do um, you know I, I, I can do my dream job basically and um, my dream work situation too um and I'm just on cloud nine with it, really. Really and truly, I'm on cloud nine. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that. It's, it's a need that, that I am 100% committed to addressing. Um, accessible housing solutions. That's what he does. Um, with the, the retrofitting and the the building the houses is pretty cool. Um, like he literally finds land um, he builds houses from scratch <laughs> and gives them to people at a no cost or really affordable um, thing um, that works for people. So that's um, this is amazing. This is an amazing thing. He also has a foundation, which we will get into um, the Liberty Access Foundation. He is building Airbnb rentals out in Cape Coral. Um, And he's also building houses out there as well. And 
like I said, he's going to exp- expand that, but it's just an amazing thing to be a part of. And I cannot wait for you guys to meet Mike and his business partner, Vinny. Vinny is a really cool guy. He got started in tech and uh, sold his company. And he just has a great, great story. I'll let him tell you the rest. Um, But I'm just super, super excited um, about that and about my partnership with them. And uh, they're also committed to to giving people with disabilities opportunities and jobs if they want one. So they are just a tremendous, tremendous... um, group of individuals um, and I am truly blessed that I that I met them um, excuse me got some acid re- um, not some acid reflux but I gag sometimes um, but Hold on. The other thing is that um, um, I I started to raise money for my my place, so I have a GoFundMe. Um, so I will attach that in the description as well. Um. If you feel inclined to donate, um, because I need to help my family out, um, and then on top of that, um, Yeah, I've I've been learning some really interesting things that I will bring to you guys. And uh, this podcast is going to go in a great direction. And we're going to talk about um, more about accessible housing and also about um, dating and personal development and all these great things. So I'm just really excited to see what direction the podcast goes in. Thank you guys for your support and your love. And until next time, peace out. And remember, love will save the world. Take care, guys. Welcome back to the Love on Roll podcast. I'm your host, and I'm here with RJ Adler. Hi, RJ. Hey, Garrett. How are you? Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to 
Skyping all the way from Vermont. I really appreciate that. So Thanks for podcast together. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Um, so I'm gonna ask you about your background, but before we do that, I just want to tell people that I just came across, as you guys may know, I'm looking for accessible housing solutions for myself, and I just came across this company called Wheelpack because I was looking at tiny houses and a bunch of different things, and I saw Wheelpack come up, and I was like, this is so cool. I got to connect with this guy. Have a, We have a good report, I, I would think, after going back and forth and getting on a couple calls, and, you know, I I really think this story is worth hearing. So, RJ, um, tell me about, you know, how you came to be in the accessible housing space, what drew you to this passion, and a little bit about your, your, your background. Yeah, um, so I, uh, I'm from Vermont, uh, and Wheelpad is a Vermont-based company. Uh, you know, my path to Wheelpad is, uh, you know, probably not dissimilar to a lot of people's paths to whatever it is that they do. Uh, but I, uh, I studied uh, to be a teacher in college, and I taught for a year, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, but I really didn't like working in schools. So I found my way to working at a solar energy company. Uh, and that was kind of a new industry at the time when I was there. Uh, and then, uh, f- you know, really liked the educational components of, uh, you know, selling a new technology in such a way that it was solving a social good. And that's what the solar industry is doing or was doing. Now it's selling a, it's still, you know, solving a social good, which is the energy crisis and climate change, but it is focused on, uh, it's, it's not a new technology anymore. People, a lot of people have solar. So I sort of looked and I thought, what's the next market solution to a crisis? And I looked at, uh, uh, accessory dwelling units or the idea of putting a little rental property in your backyard. Uh, quickly in my research there, I found Wheelpad as a company. They needed some sales support. Um, I was looking for a design team to help build out a company that I was trying to start to build ADUs. And, uh, I'm, you know, started working with them and it became pretty clear that that was going to be my future. So I'm, you know, now three plus years into it and really enjoying it. Oh, that's awesome. And I don't know if, if you would mind me saying this, but not only do you, do you, do you work with them, but you're, you, they also made you a, a co-founder, right? For all your hard work. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it's, it's great to be part of the team and I'm excited to, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting to start something that's big and hard and it's going to take a while. Um, so yeah. yeah. And that's, that's fascinating. And what just in general drew you to the idea of social goods? I like, I, I like that you said like you're, you're drawn to social goods and using it to solve problems or crisis. So I'm just curious, like what in, what in general made you think like it would be nice for my purpose to like, use the social good to make money and also help people. Yeah. Um, I really like sleep and, <laughs> uh, I really like to be able to, you know, go to bed at night 
uh, feeling like I've done something important and wake up in the morning feeling like I'm going to continue to do something important. Uh, you know, so that just happens to be my motivation. Um, but I also, you know, recognize that the, you know, for better or for worse, the market is the most powerful thing in, in our world today. And if there are going to be changes to the way our world works, then using the market to make those changes is going to be a really effective way to do it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate in life to be able to be, uh, you know, to be able to choose what I want to do every day. And I feel like, you know, not to become all Spider-Man on you, but with great power comes great responsibility. And, you know, in order to, you know, with that choice, I feel like it's, it's only right to, you know, help people do stuff. Yeah. You can never go enough Spider-Man for me. I, I love Spider-Man. If you, if you looked at my bedroom, you'd see I have my grandpa paid me, um, Spider-Man painting. So I have, I have a lot of Spider-Man paintings in my room. I'm a huge Spider-Man um, nerd, proudly to say that. Um, so I, I love that. Yeah, I think you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. I always tell my audience and I have this personal philosophy for myself that if you love what you do, then it doesn't feel like work, number one. And you, you never work a day in your life, as one famous philosopher said. And that's what I always strived for myself to do because... Working a job that you don't want to do is not really fun at, at, at all. And where you don't feel fulfilled, you don't have a purpose, you could do any job in the world, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't stick you at the core and trigger you as, you know, I, I heard someone else say, like, that really is not the best way to spend your time. Because the majority of your adult time, when you think about it, is spent working. <laughs> yeah. And like you only get two days off, if at least, for your own personal time. So you might as well enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, if you're lucky. So. Yeah, and so I'm curious. So, so do you? So you know the full story of how um, Wheelpad came to be, right? I sure do. Uh, so, uh, Wheelpad. The, the idea came uh, out of a, a traumatic event and uh, a, a man by the name of Riley Poor uh, was uh, in a, a traumatic accident and that resulted in quadriplegia. Now, it just so happened that uh, his godparents were architects, still are architects. Wow. They're my my business partners, uh, uh, Julie Leinberger and Joseph Sincata. Uh, when, when Riley was in his accident, he was about to take a new job out uh, across the country in Portland, Oregon. And uh, he let them know that he was in this accident. And they said, we will support you, you know, whatever you need, you know, you still have a job with us, which was really awesome that, that Nike was able to do that. And he moved across country and he said, no big deal. I'm going to find myself an accessible apartment and, and live my life and live his life. He did, but find himself an accessible apartment. He did not. And he lived in a hotel for nine months while he searched. And then another nine months while he 
eventually bought a house and renovated it to suit his needs with the help of Julian Joseph. You know, so out of that came this thought, oh, hey, what if there had just been this, this thing that you could have attached to your house and, you know, or attached to a rental building and it would have provided you all of the support you needed, uh, you know, provided you that accessible space. And it, it kind of grew from there. Uh, so uh, the company was founded in 2015 is when the designing started in 2017. The first model was built. Uh, 2020 is when I came and then here we are in 2023. About a year ago, we started manufacturing in house, uh, but we still work with uh, contract manufacturers who can help us build uh, more. So it's a, it's a pretty niche product within the real estate industry. Uh, and you know, it's, it's again, trying to see the way that the population is growing and changing and utilize the tools of, uh, modular housing to support people as they grow and change. Right. That's really cool. And do you know what RJ, what, um, not RJ, you're, you're RJ, um, what Riley is up to right now? Uh, Riley is also a podcaster and an advocate. Uh, he's no longer at Nike. Uh, just like any of us, you know, we all, we all grow up and move on from, from different positions. Uh, uh, so, uh, he's Riley's actually, uh, you know, a part of Wheelpad uh, and, and has been from the beginning. So, uh, you know, his, uh, his, I don't know exactly what he does on a on a day to day basis, but you know he and I chat pretty regularly. Oh, that that's okay. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just curious. No, yeah, no. If he ever wants to come on the podcast, shameless plug, let him let him know. It would be cool to connect with him. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that 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 is just awesome. That um, you know, this company was just you know born out of a need for you know their godson and that's just so cool um because because it is it is hard to find accessible housing accessible like the only thing i could find that that even is accessible by itself without having to pay for renovations and stuff like that is a hotel it's 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 very easy to find an accessible hotel that can suit your needs but it's not easy to find accessible housing so um when we were chatting, you told me that there's other companies, architecture firms that are kind of um, doing a following suit with you, or um, you want to talk more about that? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the, the world of uh, people building, you know, modular accessory dwelling units is, uh, is growing vast and you know a lot of people are talking about it uh you know there's probably a dozen companies or more that if you contact them depending on where you are in the country they can deliver to unto you a house and you can put it in your backyard and live in it now not as many of those companies are uh building a model that is truly universally accessible uh and 
even fewer of those companies can deliver anywhere in the lower 48. And so basically it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of concentric circles, but none of them match up completely. Uh, and, and because of that, you know, there's a benefit, you know, so there's, there's a great company called Link Living Homes in Wisconsin. They build modular accessible housing that they can link to a home and We've had extensive conversations with them because I want their team to be successful because if they're successful, the entire industry is going to grow same way. We're successful the same way. And, you know, uh, boxable, which is this like really large, well-funded company, uh, funded by Elon Musk, uh, that is, you know, they have their accessible model, which, their whole thing is their houses fold out and you can build them anywhere. And it's, and it's super cool. And to have a, you know, 800 pound elephant in the room like that is, is going to help move the industry along. So, you know, that's kind of from the, the ADU side to the accessible side, a lot of architects are focused on building universally designed barrier free, uh, as our friend Mike says, housing and more and more people are recognizing that this is just better for everybody to have a, a universally accessible space. Uh, so, uh, specific other architects that are doing this work. Uh, I don't know that I could, I mean, I, I talked to a, a number of them, uh, like, you know, Lena Menard or um, the Pruitts at the Universal Design Lab, uh, you know, Rosemary Rossetti, uh, they're, they're really great people. Uh, and I should have done my homework a little bit more so I could, I could list off more of them. They are, uh, you know, more and more the, I'd say the industry is focusing on it as well. So it's, it's even five years ago, it was hard to find someone that would focus on it. Uh, and, and now it's a much bigger focus for, for the architecture industry. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And don't worry about, you know, doing your homework or not doing your homework. Like I said, this is just a, a free flowing, natural conversation. This is this, I just wanted to know your take on it. So no worries. Um, yeah. but that's, that's really cool. It always, it was, it was great for me to discover by meeting you and discovering, um, wheel pad in general, like that there is an industry f that exists for this because it it's still growing, obviously, as you know, with my friend Mike and everything like that, like we're still trying to educate people, even um, even you, I'm sure that's why you're doing these podcasts and YouTube and anything you can do to like educate people about this. But it, it floors me that there the government and other people don't recognize this universal need and like developers and other people don't recognize this universal need because we are we are almost 31 years into the Americans with Disabilities Act and I don't I think we've talked about, about this before um, previous conversations but I I really don't see progress in the independent living space in terms of the housing and everything yeah we have centers for independent living and stuff like that but it it really doesn't strike me as people are looking to change on their own they don't recognize that this, that this is a problem. Um, what, I mean, I, I know you don't know why that is, but like, what do you think we can do 
more of to like tell them, okay, this is the the issues and this is what you should do and we can help you to improve this. Yeah, well, I think it goes back to something you said earlier in the conversation, which is that I can find an accessible hotel room pretty easily, but I can't find, you know, an accessible apartment. And that's because the ADA only governs public spaces. It does not govern private spaces. So, uh, you know, a, a law like that is, you know, can either be a carrot or it can be a stick. And, you know, in the case of the ADA and public housing, it, it's a stick, right? It says, unless you make your, you know, greater than four unit house, uh, you know, accessible, then we're not going to let you use it for your capitalist purposes. Um, there are other bills that are being considered, uh, which are more in the carrot category. And, uh, you know, part of how I spend my days is part of that advocacy effort as well. Uh, so in the last session of Congress, um, there was a bill passed called the Home Modifications for Accessibility Act. Really? It was, yeah, it was H.R. 7676. And uh, it was essentially a tax deduction for people that made their housing accessible. And it was introduced in the House, but there was never a companion bill introduced in the Senate. And basically the way Washington works, that means it never made it into law. Um, so uh, if, if a bill is introduced in one chamber and not another, uh, then it, you know, stays in its sort of introduced status, but then it never really moves anywhere beyond that. And it died a natural death um, at the end of 2022. Well, there's a group of folks through an organization called the National Aging in Place Council that's thinking, gee, we would really like to see legislation like that. Uh, and uh, so, you know, but we live in a different policy environment now. The House is Republican. The Senate is Democrat, so it needs to be more of a bipartisan bill. Uh, and we are looking to get a smaller tax deduction introduced as a bill this year in this in this session of Congress. So, you know, zooming back out to where we were earlier, this is this would be a carrot approach for private homeowners to make accessibility upgrades to their home. And, you know, the amount of money that this bill is going to give to an individual is probably not going to be life changing, right? Uh, it's, it's probably, you know, from a, from a stand, from the standpoint of a, of, of an incentive, it's, it's more similar to the five cents you get back when you return a can to recycle it than when, you know, than if it was big enough to sort of pay for an entire renovation project. But I think it's just enough that people are going to think, oh boy, I can get some money back from the government if I build my home to be to have a barrier-free entrance or if I put up grab bars in my shower or if I make a roll-in shower, right? So people that are in the process, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a slow way to get individual homeowners, uh, you know, with their own private funds, decision-making, what have you, to 
to make these kind of upgrades to their home. And, and that's going to slowly make the existing housing stock be more accessible. Right. So that sounds like a step in the right direction then. Certainly. I mean, it's, you know, the, the housing accessibility shortage crisis, you know, whatever you call it is, is not a problem that's going to be fixed by one simple solution. Uh, you know, I think the hope with legislation like that is that, you know, it starts out with a small tax deduction and then they slowly make it more and more and more over time. So it can kind of take up more of a project. Um, and you know, the, the, I'd say aging in place, um, and that whole industry, right. Is, is growing and changing in much the same way that the accessory dwelling unit industry is as well. And a lot of the reasons is because they're one and the same, but a lot of the reasons is that, you know, people are recognizing that this is an important thing that we need to do. And obviously, you know, when I say aging in place, I don't just mean for older people, um, because, you know, we're all aging. Mm-hmm. At this, uh, it's just, you know, some of us uh, are fortunate enough to meet, you know, to reach a later finish line. Um, the, uh, the, the growth is going to be commensurate with policy changes like this one. It's going to be commensurate with, you know, banks and insurance companies starting to feel comfortable with the financial, you know, providing the finances and the, you know, dealing with the risk of, you know, what it means to have an accessible home. Uh, It's going to mean, you know, realtors and that side of the industry are okay talking about it. And, you know, having a ramp to a home is not necessarily, you know, you know, for whatever weird reason, having a ramp on your home is like not considered normal in the United States. Um, uh, Your, your contractors that are, doing the building are going to become more educated about the process. And they're going to say, no, let's do it this way because future it's going to be better for yada, yada, yada. So there's, there's benefits to the whole industry that you're going to see. And a lot of, a lot of those benefits we can see in a roadmap from other industries that have grown and changed in this way. And I think the last one to have come along is the solar industry where in 2005, if you wanted to put panels up on your house, well, you had to have the time, money, energy, and expertise to do it by yourself, or you had to, you know, have access to those things. So it really just meant the wealthy people could do it. Well, we're kind of in that spot right now with accessory dwelling units, but, you know, slowly there were changes like policies for solar where you got a little tax credit if you put up solar on your house, or there was a company that would do it for you and make it easy or, you know, a bank put together a special solar loan, or, you know, so there's, there's changes that the entire country is seeing it, that will respond to the crisis, the housing crisis that we're seeing, you know, towns are making their housing laws be more progressive around and their policies be more progressive around what kind of housing, you know, people can install, and it's just moving everything in, in the right direction. Right. And that gives me that gives me hope. And um, it is just crazy that um, hopefully with the housing 
um, you know, with the housing market in general coming up in terms of actual homes, hopefully developers for apartments for those people that, you know, don't wish to be homeowners or, or don't wish to, you know, have their own accessory drilling, but they, they figure, you know, maybe I can rent an apartment. Um, maybe those developers will look at what the housing um, side is doing and be like, okay, we can actually design apartment units that without compromising the structure and everything. I think I told you this the first time we talked, but I toured a apartment complex right by my mom's place. And this lady, this lady said in order for us to change the way you would need to do for the bathroom, because the walls were very narrow, she said, we have to change the structure and my boss would not allow me to do that. I'm like, I don't mean to be rude, but do you think you your boss should have looked at the structure and everything before you built the apartment <laughs> and everything. And yeah. unfortunately, we're just not living in that world where we're, we're, we're I mean, there, there's architects and stuff like your, your parent company and people that are doing it, but I don't think there's enough architects and we need to get more of those architects like, you know, your parent company and like those companies you mentioned and architects that you mentioned that really just think, okay, we need to do this before so that, you know, we're not discriminating against people that have mobility challenges. There's 12% of the whole population in the United States, according to our friend Mike, that has some mobility challenge. So. And, and the number of houses that are even minimally accessible is 10%. So, you know, there's enough lunch for a business like Mike's or, or Wheelpad or any of the other folks that I've mentioned to be able to, you know, really dig in and solve this crisis to build at scale. Yeah, well, hopefully you and I will be there right every step of the way advocating in, in this fight together because I, I believe we are in this fight together now and, and lobbying and making the difference so that, you know, people can have a more inclusive, independent, barrier-free living environment. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, RJ, and I really hope that, um, you know, you we can fight together to make accessible housing um, more of a common thing for everyone and really, f um, you know, make it seem like housing is a right in general for everyone, affordable and accessible housing. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Yeah, thanks so much, Garrett. Appreciate being a part of it. Me, me too. It was always a pleasure. We got to have you on again, maybe, uh, you know, continuous guests. We'll talk about this offline, but I think I can see a, a future where we have you on as a correspondent or something. Yeah, no, I'd love that. And if I can say one more thing. Sure. Uh, for you know, folks that are interested in learning more about the way housing is growing and changing, uh, on June 9th through June 11th, uh, uh, check out the Innovative Housing Showcase if you're in DC. It's on the National Mall. Uh, Wheelpad is gonna be there with our SweetPad model, uh, but so are 60 other different uh, organizations, companies. Many of them are also bringing houses uh, that you can check out. So, uh, you know, any any questions about it, check out uh, HUD's website uh, or, you know, of course, reach out to us at Wheelpad and I can give you more info. 
Yep, the email and the contact information for RJ will be in the show notes, as well as the website for WillPad, and I can include all of that um, information that you just mentioned for the showcase. Do you know, before, before we go real quick, is there a way for people like myself that may not be in D.C. to, to view that, um, at least the show or anything online? I don't know that there's going to be sort of a an in-time virtual experience, but there is going to be, they're, they're doing a lot on their website to showcase the different vendors that are going to be there. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of pictures and videos of each, uh, of each vendor. So I was actually just t- chatting with the organizers this morning. Uh, so. Oh, that's really awesome. Well, hopefully, um, you know, I can work with RJ and the people at Wheelpad to bring Wheelpad here for a, for a showcase. So people in Florida and, you know, all, all around, um, you know, the surrounding Miami area can check out this amazing um, invention. That would be really cool if we could do that. And actually, uh, we're going to have, uh, uh, we have, uh, some contract manufacturers that we're about to sign up with in Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, so, you know, especially for folks that are, that are in Florida, that could be a really great spot to go check out a pad. Oh, well, when, when that becomes the time, we have to have you back on, um, for wheel pad so we can, we can talk about more about this and you can, Tell people all about it so they can check them out. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you very much, RJ. Thanks so much, Garrett. Of course. Adios. Adios, amigo.